Welcome back to BetQL Daily, presented by BetMGM. Eddie Gross and Aaron Hawksworth here with you. And joining us now to talk a little NBA is Rick Camp of FTN and 444. 4 for 4. Make sure to follow him on X at Rick C. Camp. Rick, thank you so much for joining us. We greatly appreciate it. I know there have been NBA games uh, since Christmas, but when we're talking about the 25th and maybe even dabbling into Tuesday as well, what are the biggest lessons learned that we can take with our NBA bets going forward? I think it's interesting looking at, you know, a team on the slate tonight in, in terms of Phoenix's, they're getting more healthy, just even though they're not playing well, trying to figure out what exactly are their rotations? Is it going to be a consistent rotation? I think that's probably something Frank Vogel's uh, working through right now and just, how much is the struggles that they're having due to like just them not being good versus trying to figure everything out? And, you know, the things that a lot of other teams were doing in the first few games of the year, now that you're getting maybe, maybe going to be getting a little bit more consistent Bradley Beal, at least until somebody breathes on him again, what is that going <laughs> to do to all the, ro- you know, the rotations in that regard? And I still just, You know, even with Boston looking the way they do, as and this is probably part of the reason when it comes to a lot of playoff futures, I tend to wait till later in the season just because I want to see how these teams evolve a little bit and get a little bit closer because even though I might lose some value on teams, I think there's still generally enough value close to the playoffs as long as you're maybe not betting on the favorite necessarily. I still wonder about Boston in the clutch in the clutch like they they still worry me a little bit even though they have looked awesome overall so i guess when i look at at those teams and i just try to wonder too with like milwaukee's another team that i think of even though they they lose to the knicks just that in the context of how they're playing is what can can they do enough to just get the defense good enough just good enough because like looking at their last few weeks third on offense 12th on defense if they could do that, then I think they might be okay, but it's just not consistent enough where it seems like they get boom performances and bust performances to where I don't know what I can trust. And especially like as I look at the East, I think it makes it really fascinating because you look at those top three teams, Boston's clearly the best, but when you get to those clutch moments, can one of those other teams, whether it's Philly or Milwaukee, who's maybe better set for those moments, be able to make up some of the difference of what they lack throughout the rest of the game. Well, one team we know we don't have to worry about is the Detroit Pistons. They broke the <laughs> NBA single season record with their 27th loss in a row. I saw someone tweeted that the Diamondbacks have won more recently than the Pistons. You got to go back to October 28th. It's crazy. And there's all kinds of fun ways you can bet on them, like Pistons next win. Under nine and a half wins is plus 240. Is there anything that interests you when looking at the Pistons? I took a little of that under nine and a half when it was at different odds. I want to say it was two games ago. Uh, that number was much closer to like 750, I want to say. So I took a little oh, bit of that. Nice. The thing for me with the Pistons, and maybe this is just being too stuck on my priors on players, I think it's a horrifically constructed roster. Not that they're necessarily trying to win a ton right now, but I think Cade Cunningham is better than the reputation he's getting because he's the best player on this team. 
when like a lot of people that I trust that are a little more X's and O's heavy than I am are basically like they are doing organizational malpractice to try and figure out what Cade Cunningham is because of the lack of shooting, because of trying to do this double big thing. So they, they're horrific. They're going to remain horrific the rest of the year. And the thing is, too, that last win came against the Chicago Bulls when Zach Levine scored 51 points, and they needed every bit of that 51 to stay close in that game because the Pistons dominated that one. What are we supposed to do with the Memphis Grizzlies? Because, yes, they are a different team and they are a more successful team with Ja Morant in that lineup. But at the same time, how much do those first 25 games matter when it terms when it comes to analyzing what the Grizzlies can do going forward? Is, say, there's still value somehow in them making the playoffs or winning the division, anything like that? I don't think in the division, especially, I I think your higher end outcomes were hurt most by that 25 games, just because it's, it's such a huge hole to climb out of. Like I had, when the, when it was a few games before Ja came back, I put something small on them to win the division at 49 to one, hoping they would maybe eke out one or two of those last few games before he came back and then have Ja come back and really get on a roll and at least maintain some sort of relative distance because, I mean, of the division leaders right now, I think it, Dallas is, is a questionable one. So between Dallas and New Orleans, like I had, I had a stronger position earlier when New Orleans was really starting to get rolling. So I have them like, I think it's plus 320 to win the division. Dallas playing better lately has kind of pushed that number closer to that again. But I think that's okay for Memphis. I, I think a lot, of the, a lot of the value is gone from their stuff right now because I got a little of them to make the play in when it was around just around four to one or so. So I was trying to find some value on them before Jock came back, but especially with how he came back in that first game, I think a lot of the juice got squeezed out of that. Yeah. Uh, what do you like for today? Pretty decent slate. Is there a side total or props that you're on? I think it's it's interesting the way the slate lines up. Just with the road teams have the better rest advantage in every game. And in five of your six games, the home team is on the second night of a back-to-back. Uh, the one prop that I, I'm definitely on so far is Isaiah Hartenstein over 10.5 boards is plus money. And that's just because, is he better than Chet Holmgren? Of course not. But OKC's strategy is, hey, we're going to give up rebounds to be able to have everything else. And, like, Hartenstein is going to get time because the only bigs on the roster are him and the corpse of Taj Gibson. And I love Taj Gibson, but, like, (laughs) it's rough when even Tibbs knows he can only run him out there for maybe 15 minutes. So if you know you're getting 30-plus minutes of Isaiah Hartenstein in this matchup, he's going to be on the boards. He has 10, 13, and 8 boards in his starts, and one of those was with a lot of foul trouble. So as long as he can stay out of foul trouble, I think that's going to be a real good matchup with a high floor for him especially. So if you want to hit a couple alts, like try and ladder that play a little bit, I wouldn't stop anybody from doing that just because he's going to have a big night. And I wonder, too, if I haven't bet anything on it yet, but 
is Julius Randle going to be able to just be more physical than whoever they have guarding him, whether it's someone like Lou Dort or J-Dub. I think that's an opportunity for the Knicks, even though generally I like OKC in that game. I haven't bet that one yet, but I think as long as it stays under a possession, I'm going to bet Oklahoma City at some point. They've been very good on the second night of back-to-backs. So that's one that I'm definitely looking at. I want no part of Toronto-Washington. I think generally it would be a Washington spot if it wasn't a back-to-back because Toronto away from home has not been very good. Uh, and then Philly-Orlando, I, I just want to look more into what the Sixers have been without Joel Embiid because you have some nights where it's, okay, Maxi has been really ball-dominant and scoring-dominant, and then you have a couple other performances, especially that first game against Minnesota where the scoring was very balanced where maybe there's some value on the secondary scores. So that's something else I'm just keeping an eye on. He's Rick Camp of 4 for 4. Also check out the I'm Fat podcast, which he hosts wherever you podcast. He's here on BeckQL Daily. So let's talk about the Mavericks and Luka Doncic because that 50-point performance he had on Christmas night was certainly something to behold. And while certainly many people are still going to believe that he can win MVP, we've also seen this dance before where, you know, later in the season, because of his usage rate being so high, he starts to taper off a little bit. But I wonder if this season could be different and or if there is a point in the season where maybe you start to string some under bets on him together because he could wear down. I I still am a little leery of, and clearly with how I bet previously, of the Mavs in general and also Luka just because he's still going to play his way to a point. Even if, let's say, Kyrie Irving gets healthy and he plays consistent, once he comes back, he's playing consistently the rest of the way. I still worry about them just because teams are starting to move away from heliocentric offenses, which is basically just one dude does everything. You're starting mm-hmm. to see a little bit movement away from that, and I think that kind of coincides with like moving away from like the three-star model and all that type of stuff. He's got the opportunity. The numbers are going to be there. I think it's just he's put up the numbers to such a degree from day one that I think even though he hasn't won an MVP, it's already getting taken for granted. Like, what would they have to do? I mean, if they ended up being, let's say, top three, top four, like if if they are a home court first-round team, I think that at least – let him be in the discussion just because the bar is so high because of what Embiid, what Jokic are, are doing, because then like, where is he tier wise? Is he on the same line with Giannis where the team is imperfect, but he is such a big engine of what they do. And obviously it's a little different for each of those guys, but like a second tier guy at the moment is probably what I would consider him. And if, because also if Oklahoma City stays as hot as they are, like you can't ignore Shea Gilgis Alexander and the fact that he fits the mold of an MVP to the point where he got votes last year. He was on the ballot and not just way down the ballot. I want to say he finished fifth last year, which is significant. So it would take a lot for Dallas to get there for me. I don't think it's in the cards this year. Like I just don't know how much I trust the roster outside of the top couple guys, just because even though they're getting a little bit better here and there in terms of having two-way players, 
it's still just so dependent on those two guys, and especially Luca, that while you could say that feeds towards it, I think it also limits their ceiling to the point where if that win total is not there, can Luca even get into the discussion? Yeah. And it's interesting that SGA has the same value as Doncic, but I like the case for Shea Gilgis Alexander a bit more. If you had to place an MVP bet today, or maybe some of our listeners are looking to jump in, what would you do? I don't think there's a great spot right now because I've said this before and it's really frustrating to me. I like how the, if I was to put out the odds for a lot of these awards at the moment, I actually think it's pretty good. Like it's, it's fairly, it's pretty right at the moment. I still think it probably, it's one of those top two guys. I, I just don't see it not being Embiid or Jokic. At this moment, I don't think there's great value on either of them. But if you were looking for someone out of those, outside of those top two, just to have – I don't even know if you can consider it a flyer at this point, considering the price, but it's probably Shea. Like, if I was forced to, to put something on anything outside of those two guys, it's probably Shea at this point. I, I wonder if the – Jokic number will ever get past what it is, and BetMGM does have the best price at the moment at 325. So if you are looking for an entry point on Jokic, this might not be a bad spot for it. So, but I, I don't know that I could bet MB right now as the favorite. I, two to one is the best number that I'm seeing. I would want a little bit better than that, and I almost wonder if everybody just like missed the boat if you're trying to jump in now. Rick, this may have less to do with a, are you going to place this bet question, more of a, are you going to keep an eye on this player question? When I look at the rookie of the year market, uh, Chet Holmgren and Wimby, yeah, they're almost neck and neck as far as uh, odds to win rookie of the year. But uh, Jaime Jaquez uh, out of Miami Heat, went to college at UCLA. He's been really impressive for the Heat. And I wonder at 35 to 1, maybe you don't pull the trigger right now, but at least you keep an eye on him to see if he can sustain that success. I think he's a zero to win. I think the numbers for the for uh Chet and Wemby are just so good that they one of those two is winning. However, mm-hmm. I have played I placed the bet a couple weeks ago. I think it was a couple of weeks ago. I don't know. This time of year, they all everything blends <laughs> together on Hakez for sixth man of the year. Okay. Just because at the at the time, I didn't really like a lot of the the, the front running options. It's still there's still a lot of volatility. I think it's starting to shake itself out a little bit with Reeves, Hardaway, Bogdanovich, and Cole Anthony being your top four. That sounds right to me. But I do think that Hakez is poorly priced like there's still a a 100 to one on the board i got it at 250 like i see anywhere he's priced anywhere from 100 to one to 40 to one so the market's all over the place on him but he's consistent he's um, he's now it's not as consistent with tyler hero back but he's still finding his way when he's in the starting lineup for jimmy butler so he's getting those minutes and even when he's coming off the bench he has a set role he scores a good amount, does a lot of things, and that team might win enough for him to be able to be in the running for that. So I just think there's still value on him. 
Rick Camp from 4 for 4 and Spurts. Thank you so much for your time. We greatly appreciate it. This is BetQL Daily presented by BetMGM. Coming up next, Kelly Ford will talk a little college football as we get ready for the semifinals in a few days. That's right here on the BetQL Network.